So, again, I'd like to welcome everyone, especially those of you who traveled some distance to come. That is called Padasebanam, to journey to the holy place, one aspect of Padasebanam. So you've come to the holy place, and on the holy occasion of the remembrance of the significance of the Guru Parampara, and therefore it's called the Vyasa Puja, the worship of Vyas, who is the person through whom the Vedas have manifest in the world. And so we can draw readily from this that there's a close connection between the Guru Parampara and uh, Shastra. So because he's the from whom the Vedas have manifest in the world, in that way we worship Vyas as the person to bring knowledge to the world. Veda means knowledge. And that kind of knowledge that is comprehensive, by which we can make a comprehensive solution to the problems of life. As you may well know, Prabhupada sometimes said, not everybody needs a guru, because not everybody is interested in making a comprehensive solution to the problems of life, which the Gita has so succinctly underscored or highlighted in just a short statement. Krishna says, this is knowledge. What is that? To identify four things as the whole problem of life. What are they? Janma, mrityu, jara, vyadi. Birth, death, disease, and old age. Four things. These are the problems. Someone wrote me not long ago, said he didn't think that these were such big problems. There was a lot of a lot of things to do here and to just be preoccupied with these things seemed a, a little bit to miss out on the, everything that the human experience has to offer. But I can tell you, the human experience is really lost if one doesn't address death. Because life is about death and how to deal with it. And one who deals with it appropriately lives a successful life. And to deal with it appropriately is not to ignore it, not to push it under the rug and pretend that it's not there and, and distract oneself with so many other things that, that appear to be available and, and inviting in life. No. And everybody admits, for that matter, if you press them, but they don't admit, they made the, the whole idea of Vedanta is that people are in denial about these things. That's the whole idea. They're going on in a life of denial. That was the most wonderful thing that uh, Yudhisthira Maharaj came to his mind when he was asked, what's the most wonderful thing? He said, people are dying all the time. Death is everywhere, and people are acting like it's not going to happen to me. He said, that's wonderful. Vishnu Maya is powerful. It's just fascinating. I mean, you think about it, and you, you say, well, anyway, we worry about that when it comes. <laughs> Death is for old people, but every day we are older. Who can say? They will not die today. Chances are better today than they were yesterday. And so, this is, of course, not a morbid way of looking at life or a pessimistic way of looking at life. It's a very optimistic way of looking at life because when we identify the problem, then we have chance for finding a solution. When we deny the problem, we hide from the problem, then there's no scope for making a solution. They may say we'll worry about it when it comes, and you better believe it, when it comes, you'll worry about it. <laughs> you will. 
much as we are attached to things that we cannot keep, and so what this will all come out. It will all come out, no matter how you may pretend otherwise, either materially by denying it, or even spiritually one may deny it. One may wrap oneself in a spiritual wrapper and package and and uh, make a good-sounding presentation and so forth, but at the death, then uh, everything is tested, and it all comes out. Unless one is consciously practicing dying, the death will be a problem. And so, the famous saying, die to live. This is the idea. Die now to the dying problem, which is all about material attachment. So this Gita has given so, I mean, it's so nice. To, there are so many problems in life and so many that are being highlighted and canvassed for and so forth. And just in just this short statement, birth, death, disease, and old age. And look at the society, any society, everyone is trying to solve these problems, even though they don't admit that these are the real problems to the extent of making them the main focus of their lives. But I mean, health, for example, is the major concern of every American. It's the number one concern, health. So disease is obviously a problem. Everyone's trying to uh, live as long as they can, I mean, and to avoid disease. You can say, I don't mind about disease until you get it. Birth, of course, they don't highlight as much, acknowledge it as, as much as a problem, though there are problems with it and people trying to stop it in different ways and so forth. But the Gita, of course, under, includes it with the other three in as much as it understands that birth means death and if death's not solved, rebirth and, and birth into a world of old age, disease and death, you know. It's said that the Buddha, Gautama, was born as a prince, of course, and, and it, when his uh, astrological chart was done, the astrologer said he could go one of two ways. Either he'll be a great ascetic, renunciate, or a great king, which means a worldly person. So the king, his father, hearing this, of course, didn't want him to become a renunciate. So he kept him in such a way within the palace compound and um, catered to and taken care of and so forth so that he would, from childhood, be led to believe that life was enjoyable. There was some prospect in material pursuit, pursuit of material enjoyment. But by chance he wandered outside of the compound. He told his chariot driver, take me through those doors. You're not supposed to go. I'm the prince. You have to do what I say. So they went and something like this and... Along the way, then, he saw these four things. He saw a child taking birth. He asked, what's that? And Church said, that's birth. I mean, everybody's got to do that. Then he thought about it. He observed it and he thought about the implications of that. Hmm? Further along, he then he saw a diseased person, leper. What's that? Oh, that's disease. Nobody can avoid that. He thought about that. And further along, he saw an old man. The pains of old age and so forth, children laughing at him, so on. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's old age. And then he saw someone die. What's that? That's death. And that was it for the Buddha. He became the Buddha. I mean, wise. Once seeing these four things, he became the Buddha. He became an ascetic, in other words. He thought, if the world is full of these things, then everybody has to, then I want something else. I have to go beyond that. These are the problems. These have to be transcended. This is how he thought. This is not a stupid person, the Buddha. The very name means wise. So when you come and philosophize something, I don't think there's really a big problem with death. I mean, we cannot take this seriously. 
they aren't really disease, not the real problem. We shouldn't be preoccupied with making a solution to these things. There's a lot of good things to be had in the world, and why not look at it like that? Write it down on paper, sir. Write a book about it. You just say something now, later you say something else. This is not wisdom. It's not well thought out. Write it down. Tell us why it's not a problem. Give us all the reasons. Think of all the ramifications and so forth. Write a book about it. Buddha has written Lotus Sutra. Did he write it? Anyway, from his group it comes. In our books, we concur with the Buddha on this. We're also wise. And so many books are there to explain these things. Just to come one day and say, I don't think this is such a big thing. It's so important. People are preoccupied with this. You cannot take this seriously. We are insulted by this. Especially if, if one time you subscribe to this. Now you think, oh, I've seen beyond this. There's more to be had in life. This is the kind of knowledge that Vyas gives to the world in the Veda. And we honor him for this. And those through whom this is passed down intact and given to us, this is the most valuable thing. This is a real line to life, life beyond death. This is a news message, how you can build a house in that place where there is no death. This is valuable, valuable real estate. The value there is unlimited, and it's increasing in value at the same time, always. The rate of appreciation is, is, would make any realtor want to go there. Price is high, though, naturally. You have to give everything. So, who wants a comprehensive solution? Then, this Guru Parampara will appear very friendly to them. Otherwise, it will appear problematic, bothering me, hounding me only. So on this day, we honor Vyas and his conception of Guru Parampara. And as I say, this disciplic succession of gurus is obviously we can draw from the fact that we're worshiping Vyas. I mean, there are many Paramparas and so forth, uh, coming from Mahaprabhu, coming from Krishna, Brahma, and so forth. And Vyas is not the beginning of everything, but we call it Vyasa Puji because Vyas is typically characterized for what he did. He gave the Veda. And so all gurus are substantiating their position, what they say, from the text, from the scripture, and so forth. These two go together, like Veda Mata. Veda is like the mother, and the Guru is like the father, and these two, they stick together. There's no divorce there. There's no, no breakup. And so the children that come from that, that union, they have a real, meaningful, uh, wholesome family life. So we are all those kind of children coming from that kind of wedding, Book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. Nasta Praeshu Vadveshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. By serving the book person, the book, book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam, then one becomes established. Established in, in reality. That means nishta, naishtiki, means fixed, means can't waver. And as I've written, it's not that everyone has to become a scholar and study all the Vedas and scriptures and Bhagwat, know every so many verses and, and so forth, and that they can serve the person Bhagwatam. That sounds easier. <laughs> and it, it is in one sense, but what it also tells us is that serving the book Bhagwatam doesn't just mean collecting some verses and some points. No. You can just collect information from the book, but if you serve the person, he won't allow you just to hover around and and pretend you're the dearmost servant. He's going to ask from you, and you're going to have to give. So the book is asking us also to give. Same thing. 
the book is giving a good bashing to this idea that you can really go anywhere spiritually by the vehicle of intellect. Therefore, Mahaprabhu was equated this being fixed with being humble. This is wisdom. This is real knowledge. This is the kind of knowledge we get from Bhagavatam. The kind of knowledge we get from serving the person Bhagavatam. If we do it right, we become humble. If we don't serve only with, uh, just as they say, like lip service, Dandavat disciple. You know that Bhaktisant Saraswati Thakur did the Parikram, means going around the Vrindavan, Braj Mandal. It takes about a month camping and then going to the next place and camping and giving talks and so forth. And then one occasion, they were in one area for a few days, and it was the next morning they were moving on. And there was a there's a famous deity, Seshai Vishnu deity there in that area. So the announcement came that night on the Parikram party that this is the last night to get the darshan of the Seshai Vishnu. And Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta Sastitaka will be giving the talk tonight also. So some of the devotees went for the darshan, and some stayed to listen to Prabhupada. My Prabhupada was amongst them. Sridharmarsh was amongst them who stayed also. And Saraswati Thakur lectured that night and he talked about the Dandabhat disciples. He was displeased, apparently, with those who went to see with the eye Krishna rather than to hear with the ear the speaking of the Vaishnav by which they can actually understand Krishna. By which, as I've said before, they know to bow down before the deity and to go there in the first place. And when his Prabhupada was recommended for initiation, Saraswati Thakur, he said, oh yes, he listens very very nicely. And Prabhupada said, oh, he was referring to that occasion where I stayed and listened. So, Dandavat disciples just sort of just to say something and make, say what you're supposed to say and sound good and Jai Maharaj. No, it's more than that. You listen and that means you have to change. If you hear, you know that you have to change. So, Comprehensive solution. Therefore, Prabhupada said, "If you, well, not everybody needs a guru, but one who wants to make a comprehensive solution to life, he or she needs a guru." So, this is uh, then an occasion to remember that, to focus, refocus on that, and recommit ourselves to that. So, I, I'm honored all, all of you come here on this day to observe this important occasion, as it happens to have occurred in relation to myself in the disciplic succession. Those of all, all of you, my friends and students who have come here, some of you, as I say, have traveled a long distance. So that kind of effort will not go in vain. For the last few years, as you know, those of you who have been attending and listening to my talks, I've been speaking on this occasion from the Guru Vastakam of Sri Vishwanath Chakrabati Thakur, a song we sang earlier and a song we sing every morning during the Brahma Muhurta. So I'd like to continue that tradition and speak briefly, given this rather lengthy introduction, on the third verse, I believe, of Guruvastakam. So, last year we spoke on the second verse, Mahaprabhu Kirtananitya Gita, Baditramabhyan Manaso Rasena, Romancha Kampashu, Tarangavaj, Vande Gurosi Charanala Vrindam. So, here we hear Vishwanath Chakravitakur has glorified and described, identified for us, the spiritual master in terms of his or her preoccupation with Mahaprabhu's kirtan. Kirtan, and he has described all the ecstatic symptoms of kirtan that Mahaprabhu himself exhibited. He's saying that the guru does kirtan with feeling, with bhava. And in speaking about kirtan, 
he's speaking about what in our parampara is called the Bhagwat Marg, Rag Marg, Kirtan, and Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati talk were included within that as appropriate preaching, expanding, uh, distributing Krishna consciousness. In the third verse we come to today, that speaks about Archan. Sri Vigraha Radhana Nityanana Sringadatan Mandira Majanado Uttasyavaktam Chaniyunjatopi Bande Guroshi Charanada Vindam Archan. Archan means deity worship. Well, first he speaks about the Guru in relation to Kirtan, then he speaks about the Guru in relation to Archan. So we draw from Chakravarti Thakur's Gurbastakam that, that these things are not entirely separate, as some people might like to separate them. Archan is more akin to Vaidimarg, the path of rules and regulations and reverential love. It is almost invariably imbued with some type of reverence. And Kirtan, ultimately Kirtan, what is it? Hari, Krishna, Ram. Uh, just even frolicking in the forest, cowherds with cows and calling out, Krishna, Ram, 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 Mahaboho, Krishna, Krishna. As I've said before, this Krishna, Hare, Ram, these are all uh, in the vocative. It means like shouting out. So it implies that it's, as Mahaprabhu himself has instructed us in Shikshastakam, there's no rules and regulations attached to this. You can chant anywhere, even in your sleep. Or the types of uttering of mantras and so forth. And there are so many procedures that one has to do. Sit in the right way, in the right direction, bathed and marked and omed and so forth. But with uh, Hare Krishna chanting, then it is in the vocative. It's crying out only. Therefore, it expresses itself even in the Nitya Lila, in the eternal Lila of the Lord. Therefore, it's Sadhan and Sadhya. means it's the means... And it's the end as well. It has its expression as a means, and it has its expression as the goal. Both things. This is Kirtan. So Archan now, as I say, this is more tied to, to Vaidhi Bhakti. And it engenders some type of, fosters some type of reverence and regard. So what what is the connection then between these two. As I say, some people have tried to separate these two things entirely. Well, this is only for Archan. Great Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he was sitting and simply doing Nam Japa and, and Kirtan, Nam Bhajan and Nam Smarn, Lila Smarnam and Kirtan and so forth. And then he got up from that after many years to do Kirtan in a big way. And within the, con- within the context of doing that big extended idea of Kirtan, that came in his heart, that Bhaktivinoda Thakur wanted of him. He erected many temples, mosques, monasteries, really, with big towering steeples and marble and all these things. This is Aishwarya, opulence. And Didi up on the altar and Om and Swaha and lights and bells and and uh, so many things. The brother who, of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Prashad, who, who was serving with him and under his direction for some time, left. And at some point he said, oh, he's left the Rag Marg by establishing all these temples and big worship and doing all this archon and, and bringing all these people and he's left the Rag Marg. This was his conclusion. This is a great misconception. 
Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was seeking to teach what is Ragmarg, and his idea of the temple and the moth was like to raise a flag up and say, it's over here, this is where it is, to draw attention to it. How could he leave the Ragmarg and decide to go uh, to Vaikuntha and worship only in, in awe and reverence? It was a very short-sighted comment on the part of his his brother. No, he sought to give this Ragbhakti in a big way to people, in a real way, in a systematic way. And as Vishwanathakurti Thakur says here, he did this, he opened the temples, he installed the deities there, and engaged people in, in the worship, and from there sending them out to do kirtan everywhere. Like how did Prabhupada conceive of his temples? My Guru Maharaj, who was famous for us because he wrote in one letter, these temples are like, what did he say? Like places from which we go out and drop bombs, like a base <laughs> from which to go out and everywhere drop bombs. The bombs were the books, the Bhagavatams, everywhere, bombing the society with the Krishna books and then coming back and to base, to your, like an Air Force base or something, restocking. So it was to energize and give support, really, to the ideal, high ideal of Brajabhakti. It's a very high ideal. Rupa Goswami says that one should draw support in the beginning, in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, from all these angas of Vaidhi Bhakti, in one's budding enthusiasm and eagerness for that high ideal. So as Sravan Kirtanam, so also this uh, Archanam. And Chakrabhati Thakur has mentioned it here. So it has its place. It's important for us. And here, Vishwana Chakvati Thakur says, Shi Bigraha Aradhana. So, Aradhana means worship. So, worship of Shri Bigraha. This is a very special appearance of the Lord. The Archa Bigraha, the Archa Abhutar, the deity form of the Lord. He appears in the heart of the devotee and then at the will of the devotee, manifests outside. And for that manifestation, then there's the ceremony, installation of the deity, and so forth. And then, then, for the purpose of engaging the students all in the service of the deity. Nowadays, so many people want to have a deity, or I meet people who have the deities, they brought in the market and so forth, but they must understand this verse. It says to us that the guru engages in this archan and Shivigraharadana nitya always. That means this deity worship is established, then if he brings a deity into the world, then that is his responsibility to see that, that goes on. How long? Forever. Forever. So it's not of uh, some fashion we think, Oh, I think I'd like to worship a deity and go ask Guru Dave and he says, Oh yeah, sure, just pick one up in the and, and 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 do that. No. Where's the commitment? Where we? The, the, this is Krishna. Prabhupada establishes deities in Los Angeles and other places, New York and so forth. And there's a very now there's a book, and and I got it from you kindly, and I also got it from you later on too. Two of them now. Uh, book uh, that was published by the Bhaktivedanta Archives with pictures of almost all the deities that Prabhupada installed and some antidotes about that deity and so forth. The spirit of all that really was Prabhupada, and in some places he said it, I believe in Los Angeles, he said to the effect that, this is how I'm feeling, like, this is Krishna, and I'm going to leave him here with you. 
I'm going to leave Radha and Krishna here with you. Am I out of my mind? <laughs> you know, kind of like that. But, but I trust you. So, trust me. You, you trust me, so, so I'm going to do I'm going to leave him. You take care of them. Be always clean. Do it on time. And so forth. And, and to be honest with you, they did a good job. His disciples. They did a good job of taking care of them. That book's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, I think, in most of the temples, the deity worship is... Goes on nicely, but this is how Prabhupada's feeling. This is Krishna. It's not some something you just buy in a store. This is Krishna himself, and I'm leaving him here with you, and I'll give you some rituals how to worship him. But you do it with feeling, with follow these rules, but with real devotion and and uh, nityanana, shringar, with various items you do the shringar with ornaments and dress and and these things and and so forth. And this should go on forever, generation after generation after generation after generation. This is the idea. It's not as the fashion. We'll pick up a deity in the market, worship for a while, and then get tired and too busy and put them in a box. Now, there may be some scope for putting the deity in the box. That's another thing for preachers. I used to travel from temple to temple to temple and in Iskon many years ago, and I was always doing kirtan, of course, but I like to do the deity worship too, but... Uh, you couldn't, they used to have a system where they would, not just anybody who came to the temple could get in the queue to worship the deity. So it was an anxiety of mine that I, I would go to a temple and I, I couldn't necessarily always find a spot to do any deity worship, maybe offer an artique or something. But um, So I wrote to Prabhupada and I suggested I'm always traveling and you know, maybe I could get a deity of Gornitai. So Prabhupada wrote back, yes, take a deity of Gornatai, put him in a box, in a chest, and carry him with you. Worship in the morning, then put him in the box, and go out and preach all day long. Next morning, wake him up, and do the puja, and then put him in the box, and like this. So there's some scope for putting in the box, but that means balance of one's time (laughs) is spent in in serving the deity in some capacity, in in broadcasting his glories and so forth. So the archan will fit around this preaching, you follow? It will fit around this. But it's not that it's to be fit around our, our busy lives. No. Yes, every householder should have a deity. Those statements are there. But that means that their life then should start to revolve around that. And just like people's lives may revolve around what's on the TV. Certain times you go and you're there on time because that show's coming and, it's, and, and so forth. No. The house will revolve around that. Just like you said, how many bedrooms? We've got so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And, and, and we have Radha Krishna. They have to have a room, too. That will be the best room in the house, and and so forth. I remember when I first came to India, I came to India via Australia. I was sent to Australia to preach, and then from there we flew in February of 1974, I think, to Madras. And then we went from Madras to Calcutta. I was with the Australian group of devotees. I had been preaching there. Anyway, we were hosted. The leader of our group uh, from Australia knew some South Indian Brahmins who were nice, and they hosted us in Madras. We spent the night there, and they had this very elaborate puja going on in in their homes. And some of the devotees just didn't quite get it. They were new devotees, and, and these people offered prasad and, and they said, is it offered? <laughs> 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 they had a nice, you know, they were, they just wanted to eat, only offered food. And, 
And then the devotee, I remember, laughed. He said, everything in this house is offered. And I looked at him like, this whole house is offered. What does he say in that one? Griheta Goloko Bhai. I saw my house turn into Goloko Vrindavan. That kind of house. That is called Grihasta Ashram. We heard the term Grihasta. It means married people, but there's other part to that. Ashram. So it should be ashram, place for cultivating Krishna consciousness. So there's a place for the deity there. But our life should revolve around. So it's not just a casual thing. We get the deity. I mean, as I say, it should come from the guru, blessings of the guru to worship, with the idea that this should go on perpetually, forever. And so many nice things. Should be clean. This is particularly mentioned. Therefore, Prabhupada used to emphasize this aspect probably more than anything else. I think he emphasized promptness and cleanliness. Promptness, why? Why promptness? Because it's so easy then just to put the DED on your schedule. That'll come later. And this then becomes offensive. He should be first. And cleanliness. So, Mandi Ramarjanado, cleansing the temple. We saw this by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself cleansing the good Nietzsche temple, as he did in the Rathayatra festival. With his own cloth, with his own tears, he cleansed the altar where Jagannath would come and sit in the mood of Vrindavan. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, the Samasti Guru of our Parampara has shown this, and so many Acharyas, they've established deities like Rupa Goswami, like Sanatana Goswami, Shijiva Goswami, the famous temples of Vrindavan. Radha Malam Mohan, Radha Gubindaji, Radha Gopinath, Radha Damodar, and so forth. So this has its place. It's important. And we should, if we are to take up the deity worship, as I say, it should not be a fashion. And for that reason, because we are not prepared to do that, perhaps we should not. But then we should have a place where there is a deity that we should come to, like here, and serve and how much can we serve and how much can we spend? So, don't question where I'm spending the money. Like I'm asking you, somebody's asking me also. That's the idea. <laughs> They're big spenders. Prabhupada's in the heyday of ISKCON, the temple presidents would come to Vrindavan, Loy Bazaar, and $10,000, $15,000 saved up for the year. And that was... They're talking 25 years ago or more for ornaments and crowns and jewelry and so forth. It would appear to be madness from their ordinary point of view. But this is a real, valuable, wise investment. As we cleanse and decorate the deity, then our heart becomes decorated. This is the idea. Just the opposite. When we decorate ourselves. There's scope for that, but ordinarily we decorate ourselves. This is just uh, vanity and to bring attention to ourselves and, and to be concerned with what other people will think. Just think about it. Why should you be concerned about what other people think? What is a mind? What kind of thoughts go in there? And based on what information, half of the picture, and uh, somebody's got some thought. And Spiritual life is about... That's one reason why we dress like this uh, amongst the... It means we don't care what you think. <laughs> Not concerned about your mind. That's just like a small, crazy world. 
reality is something much different than that. We care about your mind to quiet it so you can actually think, so you can actually feel, actually know. So to be preoccupied with what people will think and then using the mirror for this purpose, that's another thing. I used the mirror. I remember as a young brahmachari in Los Angeles, they had a little mirror there and I thought I'd go before the mirror and I'll make sure my T-lock is straight. I'm going before the deity and and I thought this must be how the gopis they think they because they dressed themselves very beautifully and they would seem very vain on the outside as they would seem selfish externally if you don't understand the philosophy and the theology behind their movement the bhava and the tattva that, that they're all about so I thought they must be like gopis addressing themselves and so carefully before the mirror but their only thought is what for the pleasure of Krishna so there's some scope for that so see how merciful the deity is it's very, very user-friendly. Everyone likes to stand in front of the mirror. You can even do it. Make sure your tilak is straight and, and all, and you're going to stand before the deity and, and, and be seen. That is a darshan. It's often thought you go and see the deity, but really the idea is different. Be seen. Go and be seen by the one who is actually the seer. What can we see? With our eyes only. So when we invest in this way, in dressing, decorating, and shopping, and... <laughs> And all these things that people like to do, and cooking, and everyone has to eat. And of course, this brings us to the next verse. I was going to do both of them, but I don't think we have time, so we'll put it off for next year. But all these things, this is aradhana, nityanana, means, and other things, worshipping the deity, and other things, and dressing, and decorating, and offering. This is what all of our human lives are about, all these things eating, shopping, entertainment. Decorating, dressing, so this is the whole idea. That all these things can be taught, see, it is very user-friendly. All these things can be done in relation to Krishna, your home entertainment center. But he is the one to be entertained. <laughs> You're doing the entertainment, entertaining Krishna. And being seen by him and benefiting. So this is very important. And so there's, as much as the guru is engaged in ecstatic hearing and chanting and, and can sit like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and do nam bhajan and be quiet and to himself and you know, for the sake of others. That, that's what this verse tells us. He's establishing deity worship. That's you. He, he engages the devotees in all these things. So much to do. In India, whole towns, whole cities are built around the deity. Vrindavan is built around the deity. Jagannath Puri is built around the deity. The whole economy of everybody is based on the deity. The deity has needs, necessities, and they're just unlimited. So, it makes for unlimited occupation. There's no more labor problem. <laughs> labor problems is uh, solved. Uh, what do they call it? Job problem? or Yeah. Employment problem is solved. Unlimited employment. And it's, everything goes back to the deity, and he's giving back. You can create a perfect uh, economy. Economy backed by substance. You understand? More than gold by Krishna himself. So whole cities have been built around this principle. So the guru is hearing, chanting, as we heard in the second verse, all these things. But in the context of bringing others within that, 
he establishes the deity like Bhakti Siddhanta Sastriktalko in a big a temple and a flagpole and marble and, and so many things and people will come and, and pay attention and if you're just a madman singing on the street <laughs> the people won't pay much attention but if you build it get some expensive real estate and build a big building put the deity in there and tell people what it's about and so forth and all the ritual ritualistic world is very interesting and mystical and home and swaha and fires and bells and and all this um, ritualistic activity and language I call it the realm of ritual this deity worship is the realm of ritual archon and it's it's in between the material world and the spiritual world it's like a like a facsimile of the spiritual world it's got material elements in it and it's makeup but it's fully spiritual at the same time the deity is there and made out of apparently ordinary elements metal and paint and so forth the thing you can see and you can touch and and so forth and you put the jewels on all the other things and but it takes you to another realm altogether and there's a way to approach that with certain language and making different diagrams and on the floor and ringing bells and and so forth. and all of that business don't insist that all of that should make sense to you in terms of how you would function outside of the realm of ritual and outside of the spiritual world in the material world for example you got to bathe so many times at different times and this kind of well, you say, but that doesn't make any sense why they just created that for because of the culture there no this is part of the realm of, of ritual so it's, it's another world there and this is a realm of transformation and at some point Prabhupada said that the deity is very easy to handle easy to handle he comes in a form that you can handle so the implication of that, as I've mentioned before, is is that, yes, he, he comes and he stands still, and he doesn't talk. You can handle that, because if he started talking, it would be a problem. Give me this, give me that, your life would be gone. He's the center, he's a supreme enjoyer. More, anior, anior. I mean, they fed Giriraj Govardhan, who is the manifest deity of Krishna, unlimitedly, and what did he say? Anior, anior, give me more, give me more. So the deity is very kind in this way. Of course, when he does start talking, he talks to when our heart is pure. Then you start talking to us. Then you've got to go out and canvas on his behalf and get give more, bring more, bring more. This is the idea. He's very, very merciful. And, uh, and it comes in a form, as, as, as Prabhupada said, that, that we can handle. And in this arch, on it, it, it will give support to our budding interest and enthusiasm and eagerness for such a high ideal as Braj Bhakti. We are not worshipping the deity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to go to just go to Vaikuntha, but to go to Vrindavan, to go to Navadweep. Mahaprabhu's deity himself, his own deity was established by Vishnu Priya Devi. And then others also, some others, Goridas Pandit, established the deity of Gornit and while they were still present. And he's giver of the Ragmarg, so the scope for worship in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu in this and Radha Govinda. In this way, the Guru brings the deity for our benefit. Yuktasya Bhaktams, Chani Yunjatopi. So he engages every all the devotees in this. This will give them support. You cannot sit now just and go and do uh, Nam Bhajana. I say, okay, you want initiation? You go. Here's your beats. Go sit out there <laughs> under a big redwood and, and chant and be happy. 
you'll run away from that. You'll fall asleep unless it's too cold. But it, then worshiping the deity, it's hard to fall asleep. And hard to forget the offering if you've got to offer before you eat. <laughs> so he's very friendly. The realm of the ritual, it, it comes closer to us in one sense in our present condition than Harinam. Harinam comes mercifully and touches us. And then Harinam, in the form of Nam, Krishna takes us. We may hear Harinam and make some connection. Krishna takes us to the Guru. The Guru gives us, engages us in some form of archan, some sense of that. And here the deity then is coming closer to us in a sense that Nam, Nam kind of reserved. I brought you this far. Now in this form, your heart will be purified. Here, all of your senses can be active. Chanting Hare Krishna, well, all of your senses may not be active, just chanting. But the deity then can see and, and touch and taste the prasad and, and smell the incense and flower and so on and so forth, all these things. So, Nam is bringing us to Archan in such a way that we become purified, that we can do that kind of kirtan that is more than sadhana, but sadhya, perfection. Rasa kirtan, like Mahaprabhu performed in, in Shiva Sangam. So, this is not to be neglected. This is not an entirely separate, divorced thing from what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give in any sense. And Vishwanath Chakrabhitaka, who could be a more ideal follower in speaking about the spiritual master, he's given this verse. Sri Vigraha Dhana Nityanama Shingaratan Mandiramajanado Uttasyabhaktam Chani Yunjatopi Bande Guru Sri Charanada Vindam So we are not so much in the practice here of giving out deities to everyone, but we should think like this. That just as I mentioned earlier, Prabhupada was giving the deity to the devo his disciples and asking them to take care of him. So what I'm giving to you, whether it be deity worship or whether it be my instructions on CDs or japa beads and an instruction to chant and so forth, you take this seriously. This is Krishna. Krishna has come to you in this form. Through this medium, He's come into your life in this way. You have to take that seriously. Don't be just done about disciples. Take it seriously. Don't just stand on the platform. Get on the train and go there. And I want to talk about these things more tomorrow. So, let's stop there. Maharaj ki jai. Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada Ki Jai Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaku Prabhupada Ki Jai Bhakti Vedanta Sarsitaku Prabhupada Ki Jai Bhakti Vedanta Sarsita